On today's Locked on Jayhawks, Kansas wins the border war 73-64 to over Missouri. We're breaking down what happened in the rivalry game, recapping how the Jayhawks came out on top, and getting to our goats of the game on this episode of the show. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available anywhere that you get your podcasts. Also find us on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. We're recapping Kansas's win over Missouri 73 to 64 inside of Allen Fieldhouse. Getting to our go to the game and what's next for the KU men's basketball team. First, the show is brought to you by Prize Picks. And you can go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy with prize picks. So KU wins by nine, 73 to 64. The final score, they improved to eight and one on the season. Third loss of the year for Missouri. Slow start to the game. Kansas falls behind 15 to six. At one point, it's like a 40 something to, I think it was a 46 to 21 run or something like that. Uh, you had a 14 0 run to finish out the first half. So you go from being down 15 to six at the under 12 to leading by a sizable margin at the break. And then you have an awesome start to the second half. At one point, you balloon your lead up to, to around 20. 20 points. Uh, but then it was kind of similar to the UMKC game in that, you know, you, you had a comfortable lead there. You let things kind of slip away. They grind their way back. All of a sudden it's a it's a six, eight point game with, you know, a couple minutes to go. Um, and you didn't have quite the finish that the UMKC one did where you had a 13 to two run. But, you know, you at least held steady in this one down the final minutes and you secure what ends up being a nine point victory over Missouri. And one of the reasons why you were able to hold steady at the end was the free throw shooting. I mean, I, I want to talk more about the, the game and individual players, but like that to me might be the biggest team takeaway from this game because KU up until this game had kind of struggled free throw shooting 69% from the free throw line. I think that was six worst of the Bill Self era. Oddly enough, the 2017 Kansas team was worse than this team in free throw shooting, which you wouldn't think when you have, you know, Frank Mason, Speed, Devontae Graham, and, and some of those guys, uh, but it ended up happening that way. So uh, that had been kind of a struggle for KU this year, free throw shooting. And in this game, you went 20 of 23, 87%, but it's not just that you had an excellent game free throw shooting. It's that you were hitting them in key moments down the stretch. You made all of your one-in-ones on the front ends to give you a second shot. Uh, even when Dennis Gates was trying to do, I guess, hack a hawk or, or whatever you want to call it with the different Jayhawks, they were intentionally fouling to try to put to the line. You were able to come through with some points there and so that's what kind of allowed you to hold steady at the very end and, and you look at the overall stuff from the end of this game like if you go look at at how they performed in certain areas in this game compared to other games this was one of KU's least efficient offensive games of the season this was not a game that KU put up a lot of threes this was not a great game for KU like avoiding turnovers uh, albeit Missouri specializes in that they came in top 15 in the country in steal rate defensively so you know, it's, it's kind of graded on a curve there, but not a great game in the turnover numbers. Uh, you had a good game defensively, but it wasn't like one of your, you know, three or four best games in terms of points allowed per possession. Uh, but you found a way to win by nine over rival. And I think there's a couple. I think, you know, this game, the, a lot of your recipe for success was kind of similar to a lot of your other games. Like it wasn't a ton of threes, both in terms of 
you making them and taking them only 10 attempts for the game, three of 10 from the outside. So, you know, not really getting much from the three game. Uh, you lose the math game there from three. They went seven of 21. So they shot a little bit better percentage than you, but you know, it's just making up those 12 points elsewhere, but you made up for it with good passing. Yeah. More turnovers than you'd like, but still 16 assists on 25 made shots and interior dominance. Like that continues to be the trend all year long for Kansas to this point. Uh, you won the points in the paint battle, 42 to 28. You win that by 14. You win the game by nine, right? And that's even in a game, like think about this. So Kansas was plus 14 in points in the paint. Not a lot of other teams have a seven foot five center like Connor Vanover who can thwart things on the inside. They have three footers on their team. So, I mean, you know, they have size to be able to go down low and you still beat them by 14 points in the paint. And that is even in a game where Kansas went nine of 24 on layups. Now, part of that you attribute to, okay, they have some size down low like Vanover. But in the early going of the game, you were missing some layups. You were missing some drives that, you know, maybe you make in other games or, or maybe you're able to knock down. So you go nine of 24 on layups, which is not a good number on layups, and you still win by 14 points in the paint. That combined with the interior dominance of rebounding, which that's something we haven't really said. That hasn't been a recipe so far. We've talked about this throughout. If you've been in every day or you've heard us talking that, yeah, Kansas hasn't been a great rebounding team this year. They've been decent at defensive rebounding, haven't really gotten much. Coming into this game, they ranked outside of the top 300 in offensive rebounding rate. Guess what? This was your best offensive rebounding game by O rebound rate. You had 13 offensive rebounds. They had 18 defensive rebounds. So in a game where you needed to you know, be able to, to be a monster inside, you were. You dominated the rebounding battle 42 to 25 in total. You got extra possessions on the offensive end of the floor, and it was just that interior presence that allowed you to do that. And then overall, the defense was strong. Like I said, this wasn't one of, you know, KU's three or four best defensive performances of the year by points allowed per possession, but it was a good performance overall. I mean, you hold them to 64 points uh, in a game where, you know, you do have 16 turnovers, so maybe you're given some extra chances there. Uh, defensive rebounding, uh, reason why you're limiting their shots, uh, you know, you gave up a couple open threes or a couple deep threes that maybe like Nick Honor or something made, but overall the defense was was pretty good for Kansas in this game. And uh, I guess beyond all the results and everything that happened, like it was so cool to see Thomas Robinson get his jersey up in the rafters and for him to do it against Missouri. I, I thought that was really cool that, you know, we heard from Bill Self earlier this week that Thomas Robinson wanted to have it done during the Missouri game. And I remember a couple of years ago when they played Missouri – for the first time since 2012, uh, 2021, they played him in Allen Fieldhouse and, and obviously 102.65 and you know all the fun there. There were some rumors in scuttlebutt that he was maybe going to have his jersey retired in that game, uh, if I'm remembering right there. And I think looking back, that's probably something like they probably were planning it. And then they were like, OK, maybe the dates didn't work out for T-Rob or, or for somebody here. And so then he probably from that moment waited a whole two years because he was like, you know what? I don't care. I'll wait another two years if I have to. I just want it to happen during the Missouri game. And, and that would be so cool of him. And I think uh, when you look at it with, with Kate, it's even cooler for me that T-Rob got his jersey retired on this team when I think of some of the parallels between him and KJ Adams. Now, I, I know there aren't, it's not everything, right? There's no carbon copy. Uh, T-Rob is, you know, 6'9", 6'10", KJ is 6'6", 6'7", right? Um, but very similar in a couple ways. Like, obviously, everybody knows the, the off-the-court stuff, the tragedy stuff that happened to Thomas Robinson. And obviously, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, when, when KJ Adams' mother passed away. Like, yes, there, there's that kind of comparison and how a community is rallying around this guy with all that happening off the court, I think is really cool and shows, you know, what, what, what these guys mean to the community and everything. Um, but beyond that, it's you have these guys in, in both T-Rob and KJ – who are just physical specimen. I mean, they are they are ripped 
Like these guys are, are WWE wrestlers out there. You know what I mean? With, with how strong they are and, and how muscular they are and how imposing they are. And not just how they look, but how they play. They play physical. And you have some of those comparisons there. And you have two guys who are good finishers around the rim, throw down. Really- and above all, whether it's on a dunk, on a block, on a big pass, on a made shot, on a little push shot, whatever. Both KJ and T-Rob, masters of hyping up the crowd. You know, uh, pumping on your chest or throwing the fist pump or pumping up. You know, masters of when they make a big play, capitalizing on the energy and transferring that into the crowd. Both those guys, I think, fan favorites from that standpoint. So I don't know that this game overall is a huge takeaway game and learning a ton about KU. Like I said, it was nice to see the free throw shooting. It was nice to see the rebounding. Uh, but this isn't going to be a resume difference-making win. Like if, if Kansas gets a one seed or a two seed or a three seed, whatever, like this isn't going to be the reason why one way or another. Um, it's it's not a game that, you know, is a huge takeaway game in that, oh, like Johnny Furphy scored 20 points or Marco Jackson scored 30 points or something where it's like, oh my gosh, is this the breakout game? It wasn't that. But it's beating a rival. And I think we lose sight, especially with how much there's been conference realignment and how everything has become so much more national from a college standpoint. When you look back to like the birth of college sports and the popularity of college sports, a lot of it draws back to the idea of regional rivalries, of wanting to win your rivalry. You know, you didn't care if your team went six and five versus eight and three. Did you beat Missouri at the end of the year? You didn't care if, if this or that. Did you beat, you know, whatever your regional rival is? And that's college sports. That has always been, and it will always be embedded in college. And so even though this game doesn't count to league standings, even though this game isn't going to be a huge difference in your resume come tournament time or determines if you're surviving and advancing in the bracket, it is of the utmost importance that you win these types of games. These are rivalry games. This is what college athletics is about. And Kansas did that today, 73-64 over Missouri. We're going to continue on with our goats of the game. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun that you can have, winning up to 25 times your money this football season. And now you can play during basketball season, too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. So, like, they had DeWan Harris, more or less than 7.5 points for Kevin McCullers, more or less points with 16.5. So, just barely ended up with more on that one. You could have combined those with some of the Navy-Army game, uh, kind of different things you could put in there. You can combine it with NFL. You can stick to one sport, however you want to do it. They have quick withdrawals, easy game plays, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college with code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Our goats of the game. Uh, We'll get to our good goats and then our bad goats. And uh, don't forget, if you missed earlier this week, we had some KU football talk. They got a new offensive coordinator with Jeff Grimes. You can check that out anywhere you get your podcast with Locked on Jayhawks and on our YouTube page. So if you're new to this segment, uh, good goat is kind of the new term of the word that everybody uses to describe the greatest of all time, right? It gets, you know, hyperbolized. Is that even a word? Whatever. But you know what I mean? Uh, Bad goat is how when I was growing up, if, if you were a goat, like when I was a kid, it was a bad thing. You were kind of the scapegoat. Like you were the reason that the team didn't do well. So uh, we, we take those loosely. But uh, here is good goats first. I, I thought everybody in the starting five. So I'm just going to go through them one by one. 
Uh, KJ Adams is the first one I want to talk about. Like I said, I think there's cool, some, some similarities, some parallels that you can draw between both KJ and Thomas Robinson. And so with KJ, he finishes with 17 points on seven of 13 from the floor. He had five assists, two rebounds, and one block. Now, you'd like to see the rebound uh, be even more, but I guess, was this a clear indication? Because, like I said, this was like KU's best rebounding game of the season. Is it just more about the other guys? I mean, Dickinson had 16. Kevin McCuller had nine of them. Uh, I think Furphy had four off the bench. Like, I, I guess you just need a little bit from everyone. But uh, you saw the scoring. You saw the push shot go down. You saw the dunking ability of KJ uh, head at the rim. You saw the free throw shooting even a little bit. He was three for four at the free throw line, which you'll take every time with KJ. Um, the passing, the dribbling. I mean, the dribbling was the one thing. Like, I've always known he's he's always been a good passer. And he's always been able to, like, dribble more than, like, an actual center. Where it's like, okay, if, if nobody's on him, he'll bring it across the timeline, like, whatever, you know. Or if, or if a center's sagging off him, he can at least dribble enough to get in a straight line drive and, and attack the rim. There was the one play today where he literally dribbled it from the backcourt with ball pressure, like, on his side slash behind him and was able to keep his dribble all the way to the front court and then leave a pass off for an assist. That looked like Jalen Wilson running the break after a, a rebound and a break. So, like, he – it's crazy. KJ is such a good player. He is, he just gets better. Like every game, like every month, he's just better at basketball. And I know that sounds simple to, Oh, well, you know, of course the 18, 19, 20, 21 year old should be getting better month to month. It doesn't always happen that way. You know, some guys are, are good freshman year. Maybe they take a step back sophomore year and then maybe they grow as a junior. Some guys are, you know, pretty good freshman year, even better as a sophomore, then even better as a junior. Uh, some guys, it takes the full year year some guys are okay as a freshman sophomore then they jump as a junior senior or something with KJ it's not just year to year it's like month to month it's like game to game you just see something new every game and so uh that and then how about I, I mean for my money the play of the game right KJ Adams chasing down and getting the block I, it wasn't just a chase down block off the backboard where it was like okay he just pinned it there he put all of his strength into that block I am surprised the ball did not burst it was unbelievable and favorite play of the game. KJ Adams blocking that one off the backboard. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, good goat here. 13 points, six rebounds, one assist, one steal. He was six of nine from the floor. So in a game where I think he kind of realized, hey, this game might not be about me offensively, right? Like he wasn't like, oh, I just have to force up shots. I have to get mine on the offensive end of the court. He said, you know. No, I'll, I'll just take the shots that are there for me. Uh, maybe I'll hit a couple pick and pops at the elbow. I'll hit the shots when they're there for me. You know, there were times where Missouri was double teaming him. There were times where uh, Connor Vanover was in, and that makes for a tough matchup when you're going in the post. And so he picked and choose when he needed to. Very efficient game with 13 points. And he was unbelievable rebounding the basketball, 16 rebounds for KU. When you look at what he did in the second half, 11 points, nine rebounds in the second half, he was excellent for KU, gobbling up rebounds, knowing his role for that specific game, being unselfish, but also hitting the shots when he needed to. Excellent stuff for Hunter Dickinson. And how about, I, I didn't know he had that in them, that like put back dunk. He got up there. We don't see him usually jump that high. Uh, you know, he doesn't really need to that often because he's like 7'2 with long arms, but um, that was cool to see as well. Kevin McCuller. He only went four of 15. This was kind of a uh, grinding your way to victory type of thing, but he impacted the game in so many ways. Even despite going four of 15, you still, it, it's like with Jalen last year. There are times last year with KU where it was like, okay, who's going to be the guy that can get them a bucket in the half court? And a lot of times Jalen Wilson had to try to bail them out in a late shot clock situation. And that's going to hurt your efficiency a little bit because it's just tough shots that if you're having to be the one who takes the shots with, you know, 
two, three, four, five seconds left on the shot clock and the opposing defense knows it's coming, but you have to, to kind of bear that down. I think Kevin understands that. Um, so, and I know four fifteen not great. And you want to see the efficiency be better. And yeah, if you went four fifteen every game, that wouldn't be great. But in the games that you do go four fifteen, as you, as a leader, as one of the go to scores, you have to be able to continue to grind away and find a way to impact games and still find a way to score. And he did that. He had seventeen points, got to the free throw line a bunch, eight of nine on free throws. So he was money at the free throw line. And like I said, he impacted the game in so many ways: nine rebounds, four assists, three steals. Excellent game again for Kevin. Dewan Harris gets one. Um, it's not even that Dewan has to be Kentucky Dewan and put up 20 points a game or even put up 15 a game. You just need him aggressive enough where he is scoring 6, 8, 10, 12 points, somewhere in that range, 6 to 12 points. This game he had 8 points, and that was enough aggressiveness that you needed. 3 of 6 from the floor, ends up with 5 assists, a little more turnovers from Dewan than you would like, but uh, you know when you're going up against that defense, that's going to kind of happen at times. Two rebounds, one steal, one block. I thought Dewan... So Juan good there. And then I thought Marco played well. Honestly, I think this is a good run of what, like, I don't know, maybe three games or something like that. And four games for Marco Jackson. I'd have to go back and look, but it's not stats that jump off the page. And I don't know that it's ever going to be this year. Like maybe is there a game in there while Marco has a 15 point game? Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked by that. But for the most part, he's the fifth option on the floor, you know, like, more of a scoring option in a sense than Dewan Harris, but even then like Dewan has the ball in his hands, like Hunter and Kevin are the top two options on the floor. KJ is probably the third option. And then like, even then Dewan's four. So it's going to limit, like when you're a, a basically point guard who is the fifth option on the floor, your stats and, and you're not getting like rebounds. Cause you're basically a point guard out there. Like your stats are never going to look great, but can you make an impact in, in little ways? I thought in this game he did, right? Only one rebound, one assist, but he had 11 points. He hit a three. He played 26 minutes. I thought KU's defense was better when he was in there than some of the bench guards. And he was six of seven on free throws. That low key has been something that I think is very encouraging. When you look at Marco's free throw percentage this year, I don't know what it is after this game. Coming into the game, it was over 90%. I, I'd imagine it's still right around there, if not above 90%. And for a guy who has struggled to shoot the three early in the season, and that has been a question for him, you know, coming out of high school, a lot of times like NBA pro scouts, they look at how good of a free throw shooter are you to try to determine, do you have touch? And if you have touch in theory, you should have the potential if you can iron out, you know, the mechanics or, you know, getting enough shots up, whatever it is to be a good three point shooter, at least be decent there. And so I think you see the free throw shooting, you're like, okay, this guy has touch. And that's helpful for a guard, too, from, like, the push shots and the, and the floaters, even though he missed that one floater very short. I don't know if Connor Vanover at 7'5 spooked him a bit. But um, I think that gives you hope that there is some there in in the three-point shooting. And uh, he's hit a three in, what, two of the last three games, something like that. So I thought Marco played well today, and I thought he played well in the defensive end, too. Uh, as far as the bad, I only got one here. It's the bench guards. Um you, you know, you didn't get a ton of minutes from any guy. So like, it's hard to establish yourself. And from that standpoint, you know, that, that kind of stinks to each and every one of them, but uh, combined between Furphy and I, I said the bench guards instead of, because I thought Parker Brown played well, but too small of a role uh, off the bench and, and too few minutes to, to get him on good goats, but it just the bench guard specifically. So Furphy McDowell Timberlake, they combined for 18 minutes in the game. In those 18 minutes, they were on the floor. They had a combined three points on one of six shooting and five fouls. Okay. Um, Furphy did help you out with four rebounds, I guess, but that, that you're just looking for more there. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what else to say. And uh, Furphy's given you a lot of flash moments here over the last couple of games. Um, 
I thought Bill Self gave Nick Timberlake a little bit longer of a leash this game than some of the previous ones. And Missouri just kept going at him defensively over and over again. And it was causing some problems for the KU defense, which is why I think he didn't play in the second half. You saw McDowell come in in the second half and uh, it just didn't flow as well as maybe some of the other games we've seen Jamari McDowell come in. So still trying to figure that out, but at least I feel like a Marco Jackson is kind of trending in the right direction. And, and up until this game, I thought Furphy was uh, also. All right, we're going to continue on with what's next for KU men's basketball. First, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and experience is what you get with eBay Motors. They bring home the winning trophy and can also help keep your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks to exhaust kits, uh, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that dub. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Finishing things up, what's next for the KU men's basketball team? Um, So they're going to have a week off here which gives them extra time to practice. They don't play again until next Saturday against the Indiana Hoosiers on the road. And uh, that'll be an early morning game. I think it's an 11 a.m. game at Indiana, so that can always be scary going on the road. I think is he Indiana on Eastern time? I don't know. Um, Indiana's been fine so far this year. Like Missouri is ranked 77th on Ken Palm right now. Indiana's 79th, so it's about the same tier of team, except playing on the road always makes it difficult. And uh, – uh, Indiana, you know, they lost by 20 to UConn. They lost by almost 30 to Auburn. So when they played the better teams, things have not gone well for them. But all it takes is one, you know, hyped up home crowd environment. And it's tough to win on the road in, in any level of college sports. So they, they have size down low. Uh, should be an interesting matchup there. But uh, a week off now for KU. So this gives them a great opportunity. And it's really starting, I would say, from now to like the start of conference play. Because you only have now three games over the next three weeks, you have Indiana next Saturday. Then you have Yale the following Friday on December 22nd. And then you don't play again to Wichita State on December 30th, I want to say, at the T-Mobile Center. So you have three games in three weeks, and that means a lot of practice time. Now, all of that won't be practice time, right? Uh, there's going to be days off after games. There's going to be Christmas break. Players will, will not even be in, in campus for, I don't know what, two, three, four days, something like that, right? So it's not going to be everything. But that does give you a lot of time still in between to practice and have those players get rested and to have progression from certain players. You know, this is kind of the where I think the freshmen, you're looking for them to start taking a jump, to start improving their play over these next three weeks, right to lead into conference play and then feel like, okay, maybe the freshmen, at least one or two of them, is a different guy come conference play because that's what you're really going for here is, is to start seeing those strides be made for conference play. And this opportunity to do that, uh, I think with some of the extra practices and time off is the perfect chance to do just that for Kansas. Um, as far as our upcoming show schedule and everything, um, 
keep an eye. I know Melo Dotson mentioned something on Twitter about possibly some sort of announcement that he's going to have on, on Sunday. So we'll see if that ends up coming up. Uh, we might have an episode about that later in this week. We're also going to have, um, because now Kansas uh, will have played, I believe, 10 games. Am I wrong on that? Uh, I, I think I said they were 8-1 and one earlier. They are 9-1. and one. So, yeah, they played 10 games. So that's a good benchmark number. We'll get to our biggest positives and negatives for KU through 10 games. Uh, I want to have a KU football transfer portal conversation coming up later in the week uh, about you know what they've lost so far and what they've offered on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So we'll take a look into that. I think Nick Schwert will join us next week, and then we'll get to a uh, KU Indiana preview later next week. But that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. You can find anything on any of our shows, including we talked about Jeff Grimes, the new KU offensive coordinator hire. You can find that. Thank you to the everydayers tuning into each and every episode. Again, we're anywhere you get your podcast. You can also find us where you can like and subscribe to us on our YouTube page. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your weekend. Kansas beats Missouri 73-64. Enjoy the rivalry win and see you next time for the next edition of Locked on Jayhawks.